Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Sarah Golseth. Lutherans love to sing hymns, and what better way to celebrate the upcoming 500th anniversary of the Reformation than to have an organ recital and a hymn sing? Well, today we get to hear about one of these happening right in our backyard next week. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for their support of Faith and Family. You can learn more about Concordia University, Wisconsin on our website, kfuo.org, and look for the CUW logo in the sponsor section. Joining me by phone today, I have the Dr. Robert K. Miller, composer, professor, conductor, pianist, church organist, and choir director in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Welcome, Dr. Miller. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I also have Reverend Tim Miller, who is pastor of St. John's Lutheran Church in New Minden, Illinois. Welcome, Pastor Miller. Good morning, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And with me in studio today, uh, Roger Drennan, Director of Editorial and Media Services for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Welcome, Roger. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining me today. So, Outside down, guess it's Freitag, yeah? <laughs> oh, boy. My German is not up to snuff today. Oh. <laughs> so, Pastor, um, tell us a little bit about the saints at St. John in New Minden. Well, uh, we're just a country congregation, a little town of New Minden. Uh, we have about uh, 100, 110, 120 in church on an average Sunday. I also serve the saints at St. Luke's Covington, where we have about 15 on a typical Sunday. And uh, our, our uh, claim to fame there at New Minden is we're a charter member of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate from 1847. Uh, but... Uh, it's, I've been there almost 30 years, and it's uh, really been a blessing for me and my family. Wow, so that the history goes back a very long way. Indeed, yeah. That's wonderful. And you uh, you often have organ recitals, is that correct? Well, uh, we try to have two a year, um, and this it stems back to about four years ago when we were hit by a tornado at New Minden. And in the aftermath, we were richly blessed we began to cast about and speak to anybody we knew who knows anything about organs and ask who's a good organ builder and so forth. And we ended up with Martin Ott there in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. and he really had it in his heart to to build us a a good organ uh, for the, he took the the insurance money for a 12 rank organ and he built us a 19 rank organ and uh, also paid for the engineering to do some acoustical enhancements of the building, and and uh, we received some money beyond the insurance settlement and used that to enhance the acoustics. And and uh, so we've been richly blessed now, and uh, we just want to share that, uh, you know, with the community at large since so many supported us in our time of need. And at the same time, we try to, to support some mission and ministry uh, when we when we have these recitals, sure, sure. And when when that tornado hit uh, New Minden, did, wh- tell me about the the destruction that that happened around you and, and to your congregation. Well, uh, it was uh, there were about twenty families that were left without a home that was fit to live in, and about three businesses, and uh, two people were killed, three injured. Uh, the congregation stood by the, the families in the community, and uh, we had about uh, over a million dollars of damage 
to the church and several other buildings on the church property. So it was quite an ordeal, but, uh, you know, some good things came out of it, such as uh, this uh, organ that we're blessed with. Sure, sure. And uh, what was the the damage to your church? Did you did you completely lose your building and, and your organ, or was some of it still standing? Uh, the organ was completely destroyed. It was mm-hmm. buried under three or four tons of rock that blew down from one of the walls. The, the church was built during the Civil War out of stone that's quarried locally, and uh, not even a, a tornado can blow it down. Uh, it did some damage, tore off the steeple and part of the roof and some things like that. But uh, the building was uh, able to be rebuilt and is better than ever. And uh, we're we're happy to have a, a pipe organ there. It's a building, like I said, is built out of native stone. And uh, it just seemed like uh, it was not an appropriate place for an electronic organ, but we mm-hmm. wanted something natural and authentic. Sure, and, sure. Uh, we, like to share that yeah yeah and roger was telling me before we came on the air about uh, uh a moment in time uh when when uh, i believe he said that the parts of the steeple were were created into into a crucifix and and uh you were able to sing lift high the cross and that moment was very touching for the congregation yeah yeah we actually had a guy make about uh, 1100 wooden crosses out of wood from the steeple and we've distributed those and and uh they were all a model of the steeple, of the cross that went on top of the steeple. And uh, the day we put up the cross on the steeple, we gathered together and sang "Lift High the Cross," and it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, uh, so tell me about this event uh, that's coming up on on Monday. This this uh, hymn recital and hymn sing. Yeah, well, like I say, uh, we'd like to to celebrate and share these gifts God has given us, and music is just such a wonderful gift. To, to draw people together, to build community. Uh, think of uh, where Paul says, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and uh, speak to one another with uh, singing and so forth. And um, there's there's something about the, the word of God is powerful in and of itself, but when it's supported and lifted up by appropriate music, it uh, reaches inside a person like, nothing else can to uh, comfort and enable us to rejoice and give voice to to uh, the faith. And uh, we just like to, to sing that good news of Jesus into each other's ears and hearts and uh, be lifted up together with uh, God's gifts. Absolutely. And this, this hymn sing and organ recital is, is a special one for you. Uh, I believe you have some, some relationship with the with the guest organist. Yeah, yeah, that's my brother Bob, <laughs> and I'm I'm so glad we have him uh, able to come back to New And He played there almost 30 years ago when I was ordained and installed, and I've always hoped to have him come back. And and uh, we're uh, two out of uh, seven siblings, and our, our oldest brother works there in your building, mm-hmm. uh, Herb Miller, our Senate first vice president. But uh, yeah, it'll be a thrill to have Bob come back here. Absolutely. So, Dr. Miller, um, tell me about what you do in Fayetteville. I know that that introduction was was very long. There's composer, professor, conductor, pianist, church organist, choir director. Uh, Tell me a bit about um, maybe a few of those responsibilities, what you do with the University of Arkansas, um, and what all uh, that that involves down in Fayetteville. Oh, sure. I'm the uh, 
uh, conductor of the University Symphony Orchestra here at the University of Arkansas, and I teach uh, music theory and uh, composition. Uh, I'm also a principal keyboard player of the Fort Smith Symphony, and I'm uh, pleased to be organist and choir director at uh, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church here in town. Uh, we have a, a fine uh, pipe organ uh, as well. And I would just, uh, to echo what, uh, uh, what Tim said, um, music does have a very powerful connection to, to people. And uh, uh, I think one of the reasons why we uh, chose to do this was to kind of highlight some of the hymns that go back to the Reformation itself. And so much of the, uh, the, the organ music will be uh, from the Baroque period written uh, in honor of those uh, hymns that go back to uh, the early 1500s. Uh, the, those were very strong hymns and hymns that had a, a powerful meaning to a lot of people back then and still do today. Sure. Uh, what are what are some of those hymns that you'll be playing? Oh, well, let's see. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, I think there are about 11 of them. Uh, half of them are by uh, Luther himself, and the other half are by various other authors. Uh, there are a couple of them from the period of the Thirty Years' War uh, that uh, were very meaningful to me anyway. And uh, the, the organ settings were all by composers of the... Uh, Baroque period, except for uh, two of them, which are from the 21st century, meaning uh, they haven't been written yet, but they will be by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how many of these will be just uh, for someone to listen and, and enjoy, and, and how many of these are going to be uh, for the congregation to, to join in and, and sing? Well, uh, Tim can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that for each of them, I'll do uh, uh, some kind of prelude and then uh, some amount of verses. Is that right, Tim? Yeah, so there's a chance for people to listen and catch their breath, and then uh, before it all goes away, uh, a chance to jump in and, and uh, join along with the organ. Wonderful, and these are these are familiar to people, correct? Even though even though they're 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 from the time of Reformation, these are hymns that that we as Lutherans would would recognize and know and be able to sing with with gusto. I, I hope so. Uh, there may be one or two that are not as well known as others, but uh, I think most of them will be very familiar to everybody. Is one? Do you do you have a favorite? Oh, to me, uh, <laughs> from heaven above. I think that uh, uh, Tim would remember the the way that our father used to sing that hymn with a lot of gusto. <laughs> I, go ahead. I'd, I'd like to say that we, we grew up in a family listening to music, not, not on the radio, but a, a, a house where people made music. Uh, our dad loved to sing the hymns, and Mom was a... Uh, even as a teenager, she played the, the organ, that you know, the kind that you pedaled mm -hmm. to... to uh, give it air, you know, the reed organs. She was an organist in her church even as a teenager in northern Minnesota. And uh, so everybody took piano lessons, and uh, somebody was always uh, doing something musical, it seems like, and it was it was something you did rather than something you listened to others do. Yeah, we, uh, we had a lot of fun, and we have a, we have a lot of fun uh, getting together and remembering those days. 
Sure. Does this does this uh, organ recital and him sing have a special meaning for both of you because of that background in music and, and family history? Oh, uh, absolutely for me. Yeah. Uh the the very first uh, uh the very first hymn is uh, All Glory Be to God on High and Tim you probably remember in the old uh, German services when our dad would go out get out there and say Eras I got to the and then the congregation would come in with the that first hymn, and I can't hear that melody without thinking back uh, to those days. Yeah, yeah, that was a standard part of the German service. Um, sure, sure. And why is it so important for the church now in modern times to remember and, and to uh, think about the history of these hymns from, from Reformation times? Well, that, that's a very good question because uh, a lot of a lot of churches today are are, are incorporating more contemporary music, and, and that's an awesome thing because it's pulling in a lot of people. Uh, but still, there's there's a kind of uh, emotional connection that a lot of us have to those old hymns, and uh, at least for people in my generation, we we kind of want to hang on to that. And uh, whatever happens in the future happens in the future. But uh, uh, I've always appreciated those old hymns. I like to look at it this way, that, that in the Church, uh, just because you've died and, and gone to heaven doesn't mean you no longer have a voice on earth. So these composers, uh, these musicians, you know, uh, we get to enjoy the best, not just the people who happen to be living today, but the best of people who have lived the last 20 centuries. And uh, you know, enjoy the treasures of the the best of the best of the best, uh, and uh, cherish them today. And and uh, we hope they'll be passed on to our children and grandchildren as well. Sure. And why is why is uh, incorporating congregational singing, uh, especially in light of the Reformation, so uh, so significant in remembering the Reformation? Well, I think that uh, there's a, a a great deal of historical reference to. Uh, uh, singing of these old uh, Reformation hymns uh, with, with a lot of gusto. You, you, Tim, you might remember from, I forget if it was one of the Smalcaldic Wars or the Thirty Years' War, where there was an imperial army that had surrounded uh, a group of Lutherans with the intent of defeating them, but they heard them sing a mighty fortress with such gusto that they packed up all their gear and, and left. I, I'm not sure if that's, an, if that's actually true, but that there's certainly a lot of stories like that. And you know, there are some of those old hymns just fill you with a lot of gusto, and uh, I, I've always appreciated that. I heard a, a Lutheran principal say one time that she would come into the school building singing a mighty fortress every day, and uh, you know that would inspire her and get her get her going in uh, fighting whatever battles had to be fought that day in the confidence of the, the Lord with her. That's fantastic. So uh, a part of this uh, hymn sing is also to raise money to benefit an organization. Is that correct? Right. Uh, with these recitals, hymn sings, we we take half of the money and use it to to maintain and tune the organ and so forth. But we like to give half of it away and uh, send it to uh, a cause that means something to both us at the, our congregation and to our guest organist. And uh, at this time. We, we chose the uh, the Christ's aid for persecuted 
Christians, especially helping our sister church in, in Germany uh, to, to minister to the refugees and immigrants that they are overwhelmed with there. And sure. uh, we're glad to have uh, Roger Grinnan able to come on Monday and uh, tell us a little bit about that. So, Roger, without giving away all of the secrets, um, tell me about this program and uh, and how significant it is for these people in Germany. Well, our, our partner church in Germany, the Selbstständige Evangelisch Lutherische Kirche, the Selk, has been doing a lot of work with Middle Eastern refugees, um, many of whom, I would say the preponderance of whom, are Iranian, and, and uh, they are already Christian-leaning when they arrive. Uh, it's very hard to be a Christian in Iran, uh, so uh, when they come there, it's, it's it's a wonderful thing to see that they're able to receive the word and the sacraments and, and to be catechized by people like uh, uh, Farah Tachter, uh, Gottfried Martins of the Selk, and some other pastors uh, in Berlin Steglitz and Leipzig and other areas. So uh, we traveled there, uh, a communications team traveled there to witness what was going on there. And, you know, as a former military guy, I was a little apprehensive of Middle Easterners converting to Christianity. But when I got there, it was really life-changing for me to see the sincerity of the Iranians uh, who uh, we spoke through interpreters. I speak a little German. They speak a little German. Their primary language is Farsi. Mine is English. But through the German interpreter, we were able to communicate. And uh, and uh, they let me know that uh, the Iranians, uh, many of them uh, are you know, they have a long history of Zoroastrianism, and uh, the Arabs came around the 7th century and began uh, uh, the Islamification of Persia. And uh, so they are forced to pray in Arabic, and they speak Farsi, so they have no idea what they're praying, and they're drawn to Christ. They have a deep knowledge of the Old Testament, but they're, they hunger for the gospel, and they hunger for the sacraments, and I saw it there, and it was sincere, and it was very real. And it was very life-changing for me to witness that firsthand and speak with these people. Sure. What does this program, um, what does this do for the for the refugees? Well, uh, we have missionaries in place now that can begin to use projects. It's, it's very difficult uh, with all the German country regulations to uh, deal with money, but it's possible to, through the way that we're doing it through the Selk, to do it a little bit more expediently. And they need... Uh, Bibles in Farsi, they need uh, New Testaments in Farsi, they need all these things so that they can receive the gospel. And with our new missionaries in place, uh, this money will go to making sure that that, ha that happens, that they continue to be ministered to, uh, properly catechized, and that they receive the gospel and, and, and grow in the Word of God. Absolutely. And um, I believe there's been some a significant amount of baptisms happening there, haven't there? There have been a, a large number of baptisms. Uh, when I spoke with a lot of the uh, Iranian refugees, now there are other Middle Eastern refugees that are converting, not, not as many from the other areas of the Middle East. But, uh, but when I spoke with the, you know, primarily the Iranians, you know, a lot of them were very thankful that they're being uh, baptized and they're participating in the church. And the government authorities are a little hard on them. They have they have to pass a Christianity test that I think few of us would pass if we were subjected to it. Uh, and uh, so they face a lot of persecution. And then back in the living centers, 
the um, Muslim refugees give them a really hard time if they see them with any kind of cross or Bible or anything. They, they, there's some violence and there are some issues there. Yeah. And uh, what does this introduction to Christ and to the church do for them in their daily life? Does it support them at all in, in just um, the daily living? Because being a refugee is not easy. Uh, does does this help them at all with, with going through that process and dealing with those everyday issues? I think that this is probably one of the most fertile mission fields that I'm aware of because they were hungering for the gospel so much so that Gottfried Martin said uh, he only gets like four hours of sleep at night because they're beating down the door to wow. learn and to, and to be baptized. And uh, it is really, when I was there, I couldn't help but be moved that something special was was happening and uh and uh, it was really as i said it was very stunning to behold it was and it was stunning to talk to these people they were very honest and and candid and and when we talked about things like terrorism and why americans are sort of apprehensive about allowing uh you know these folks to immigrate to the u.s and so uh but uh, again it was something astonishing the the number of people that are coming to the selk uh, especially from Iran, was uh, stunning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is what is the reaction of, of the uh, the German members of the Selk? Um, how how in, um, excited are they to to embrace these refugees? My understanding is that they are very excited and zealous toward uh, bringing the gospel to these people, but they face many hurdles with the government there and with the culture there. Uh, one of the Selk pastors I talked to said, you know, the in the the current German culture there is so far removed from the gospel that they have forgotten that they have forgotten God. Hmm. So they're like two generations removed from being Christian. And so it's oh. very tough for the Selk to struggle and to survive, and, and especially in this ministry, which isn't very well received by the average uh, German public. Sure. Sure. So this this offering that will be taken uh, will will really benefit these refugees as they as they hunger for the gospel. That that's my understanding. You know, giving them you know, just as Luther gave the common people the Bible, we're giving we're able to provide the word uh, through generous donations. Uh, the word to these people in their native tongue of Farsi, and that's very important that they be able to study in their own language. Absolutely. So, Pastor, um, when is this? We haven't actually said when when this is happening. When is this uh, hymn sing and and organ recital happening next week? This is Monday evening at seven o'clock, uh, October sixteenth, and uh, St. John's New Minden is fifty miles east of the St. Louis Arch. Just hop on I-64 and get off at exit 41 and turn left, and about nine miles, and there we are. That that's an easy route to get to. <laughs> uh, what are you What are you most looking forward to um, during this <clears throat> recital? Well, I'm looking forward to the, the people being together and uh, just hearing the voices unite. Um, a number of our siblings are planning to come, and our, our mother, who's almost 89, uh, she's hoping to make the trip. And uh, I found out yesterday one of our cousins is coming. and So I'll have a little bit of an air of a family reunion, but uh, just people gathering and, and 
expressing the faith in song together is a is a beautiful thing. Uh, when I go visit Bob in Arkansas and his family, it uh, there it always amazes me how they're always part of a community of musicians and they're helping each other. And you know how much more when when our faith is involved too the the uh, the community the, the the speaking to one another that we share that's a a precious thing. And uh, we hope that uh, people will come and join us and and receive those gifts with us. Absolutely. We're we're all at a time. Uh, Roger, it's been lovely having you in studio with me. Thank you. And Dr. Robert Miller, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Pastor Miller, it was it was wonderful having you on today. And hopefully we'll we'll get lots of people out there for for that organ recital on Monday. Well, thank you. So thank you so much for including us in your program today. Absolutely. You're listening to Faith and Family. More coming up after the break. Concordia University, Wisconsin and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu.